Thanks for tuning in to the World XP Podcast. If you're enjoying the content, please drop us up, drop a like, and let us know your thoughts below in the comments. Also, please consider supporting our podcast via the link below. It really helps us out. Welcome to the show. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me on. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a good rainy Saturday morning here. Um, I know. They call it Irish sunshine. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> no wonder people from there are the most pale of all time. Um, <laughs> so for those uh, listening, Livia and I are friends from uh, old jobs and a few other various things. And she has started her own business and I'll let you talk to all the details. But I thought um, since a lot of the people that are on the show recently or not even recently, just generally have been entrepreneurs and self-starters and, and kind of making their own way in the world. And we'll say air quotes, less traditional uh, settings that figured would be a good time to catch up, good time to see what you're up to, how you started it, how things are going. Um, and yeah, I figured it would just be a worthwhile, worthwhile endeavor. So who are you and what are you doing? <laughs> so I'm Olivia. I actually started a, uh, an online virtual assistant company, um, I had been doing like informal work for a little while. And for people who don't know, a virtual assistant is someone who basically does like online backend admin work for companies and clients. And it's like a branch off of admin work in the office. So like if you think of a traditional nine to five and you have an admin employee, basically a virtual assistant is someone who just does the work with their own business. Um, so they're like 1099 contractors and I do a lot of different admin work and I also do bookkeeping. So I'm like half and half. So I do everything from like email management and calendar management to bookkeeping. Um, right now, more of my clients are bookkeeping. Um, and the really cool part of this is that I do get to do it all from home. Um, it's my own business and I get to work with the clients somewhat on my own time and then somewhat, you know, like when they're available, but it's a really unique way to do something that I'm good at and that I enjoy and help other people without having to do like a traditional nine to five and go in the office. And I started this, um, because well, my husband and I, we had a baby uh, about a year, almost two years ago, and stayed at home for a while and loved being a stay-at-home mom. And I realized, like, I did not want to give this up. Um, and I love being a stay-at-home mom, but I also love working. And, like, I didn't know how to mesh the two. So, like, how do you spend time with your kid and, you know, spend time with your family and also kind of, like, tap into the creative side of your brain? So that was kind of the mindset that I had for a while. I'm like, okay, how do I do this? So I, I had been doing like little things here and there. And I decided to like officially incorporate my business a couple months ago and it has taken off and I can still be a stay at home mom and be present and help people and do something that I enjoy. And it's this perfect balance that we, like, I think you don't realize how important it is when I say you, I just mean people in general, not like you, but 
until you like have kids and you're like oh my gosh like I do not want to miss this like I don't want to miss these moments and it's been like very very rewarding um I love being present for big moments and I also love that I can kind of tap into like my work side and get things done it kind of makes me it makes me more well-rounded and I don't have to sacrifice that that time at home um it's been a really good experience so far Good. That is, I mean, obviously we we're chatting before and all that stuff is mm-hmm. the balance of life is super important. And on that topic, the question from the guest last week, before okay. we jump right into everything else and forget it is yeah. if you had one piece of advice for your younger self, what would it be? We'll say like 16 year old self. Okay. Um, so that was definitely over 10 years ago. Um, I would say just don't take everything so seriously. Um, like everything at that time, I think I would have been a sophomore in high school. Everything feels so serious. You know what I mean? Like, oh, got to get ready for colleges. And I was playing field hockey at the time and getting uh, recruited for field hockey. And everything just felt so serious and intense all the time. And I would just say, enjoy this because this is like the easiest life is going to be for you. Um, like you're not in the work world yet um like you're still at home and you know you still have your parents and like this is a really fun time and just have fun because you will not get this time back yeah i agree i would (laughs) yeah totally totally (laughs) totally agree with that i think one thing that changed for me at least is like when you say everything seems so serious Mm -hmm. it was to a certain extent like now i don't feel as um stressed necessarily or as like it is harder like now I feel like I'm able to kind of create my own not necessarily cruise control but my own system and way of doing things that isn't necessarily beholden to a eight o'clock school start time and and all the rest Mm -hmm. of the things and so I don't know from from that perspective I wonder if you feel similarly as um kind of with the flexibility that you have now that is not maybe yeah. easier is not the right word, but it's more comfortable. I don't know if comfortable is the right word either. We, you know what I'm saying though. I do. You're more in control of your time. Yeah. Um, I, so a day to day for me right now, um, Ronnie wakes up anywhere from like six to six thirty. He's pretty consistent. Ronnie's my son. Um, and we do some stuff in the morning. I get a little work done. We go outside for a bit or play or, you know, do some, like do some letters or alphabet or whatever. But um, it's easier to like determine your own day. And I think, I, I really think that's one of the benefits of a hybrid situation, whether you're working from home part-time, you're working from home full-time, um, you do kind of get to structure your day how you want it. I think you can be less stressed that way. Um, I, I generally prioritize working out in the morning. Um, starts the day off great. I would not have that opportunity if I was doing a nine to five and commuting two hours a day, which is what I was doing for a while before Ronnie was born. I was going all the way into Roanoke and that took an hour and then coming back. So that's two hours in the car. And that's two hours out of the day that I lose. Um, so working out, for example, which is supposed to be, you know, a priority for me. That was not a priority. I just, I didn't have the time. 
And I think a lot of people can probably relate to that, whether they're commuting an hour or not. It's like, where do I find the time to do this? Like, how do I find the time to like put myself first? Um, and I'll spin off of that and say something I have learned from working from home and starting my own business and especially being a mom. And like, I think every mom who listens to this can relate to this, but there's this thing about putting yourself first as a mom. Um, and I think I want to change that from me first to like me too, or like me also, like I also can work out. I also can do things for myself. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to put yourself first all the time. I don't think that's realistic. Um, sometimes you I mean, your child always has to come first. You know what I mean? Like you, your child is the priority. Um, but I'm also making time for myself to work out and schedule my work and do fun things like be on a podcast. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be all grind all the time. Um, and this like grind culture where you're just going, going, going until you drop. I do not want to get back into that. Um, I don't even, I don't even know what question we just did, but it's just, it wasn't. we're just, we're just <laughs> chatting. It's good. It's good. Yeah. So when you decided that you wanted to start your own, business did you have how much was prepared before you pulled the trigger like in terms of the like legal side or the registration with the commonwealth side or or any of the other stuff because i've got a few things that i should probably should have done that with and i just haven't because i'm like yeah. yeah it's a lot of paperwork and i'm busy and i don't feel like doing it um yeah. how how much of a heavy lift was that for you or was it not at all or did you prep a lot for it or kind of no, it wasn't a heavy lift. Um, I filled out the the LLC. So I have an LLC um, just because I'm a single member business. And I just filled everything out online and they approve you pretty much immediately. Um, you just pay, you pay a fee for it. You fill everything out. They approve you and they send you like your certificates in uh, like to your email mm. pretty quickly, um, like almost instantaneously. And from a legal standpoint, that was not hard. Um if you are bigger than a one-person company, you have to get an EIN for tax purposes. So it's like your business number. I did not have to do that, um, but that can take a little bit. Um, that was really like the only thing from a legal standpoint I had to do. The only other thing, now I have to do this quarterly. You don't have to do this right away, but like you have to pay quarterly taxes if you are making a profit. So um, figuring out how to do that for my business, um, that was a little bit more legwork, but you don't have to do it right away, um, especially because, you know, like there's a deadline for it for taxes. Um, registering was the easiest part of the class. We're going to have to talk <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, it was not hard. Um, the taxes part is the one that makes me the most nervous, not necessarily the registration yeah. part. Because yeah. I barely understand taxes. the tax code as it is now. Oh, my God. Well, the tax code is so complicated. Like, I think even someone who like does it for a full-time job is sometimes, like, I don't know. Um, but you have to do – so, like, if you're, a, if you're, like, an S-corp, if you – an S-corporation, if you have your own company, um, if you have employees, like, you have to pay taxes, it gets a little murky because you have to have a – like your business expenses cannot be more than um, like how, like you have to make a profit basically to pay your taxes. Um, and the way you 
like it's it is complicated but you basically have to file like estimated taxes each quarter and you estimate it based on like your projected income and then um it's, it gets complicated but like basically how much you make determines like how much you you estimate so like right now for me I pay like between 22 and like 28 percent um I put aside 30 percent each quarter uh just just as an assumption and like I usually have like a little bit left over but um you do that and then at the end of the year you end up filing like a 1040 in schedule c which basically is like your total income with your deductions it's so it, it is complicated um you basically pay estimated tax <laughs> so that's like my long-winded explanation that's so crazy because it's like i know you have to you have to figure out how much money you owe the government and if you get it wrong then you're still the one in trouble it's like come on guys i know <laughs> i know it's and then you then sometimes you end up still having to pay more um if your projections are wrong so it gets like it gets murky i mean the irs like they do understand that okay you're a small business you're estimating like they're not going to come after you like it's the word or anything but you do have to you do have to pay it um the good news about owning your own business is you do get a lot of deductions so you get up to five thousand dollars worth of deductions you okay sorry you just fell. <laughs> um you get up to five thousand dollars worth of deductions um for your business so like for example, I got a MacBook recently. Um, I had my old Windows laptop, and my father-in-law got it for me a couple years ago. And I was like, I can't get rid of this. Like this is like a laptop from him. I loved him so much. Like I just can't. But then it just like hit the hit the deck one day basically, and it like it was doing Windows updates every day. I'm like, okay, I can't do this. So I got the MacBook, but that's the deduction. So little things like that where people kind of get hemmed out is they don't keep track of their deductions so even little things like a you know if you're traveling to a job site or you're um you know you're going to like a little business lunch like those are deductions um you actually can deduct square footage in your house if you work from home um so like you, i think you can deduct up to like 50 feet um you can also deduct like utilities uh like phone, internet, things like that, because you're working from home. Like it's crazy, and people just don't know about those things. Mm. It's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's very cool. I've heard of these things, but it's still yeah. I don't know. It's like it's the thing of jumping ship and actually doing it. Yeah, it's um, scary. Yeah, for sure. I so would how say did... from Go ahead. Maybe like a fear standpoint, <sighs> Eric works a lot. So for me, it was not as much fear as um like I had the support from him to do it so for me it was just when I wanted to do it um but you can you can do a lot starting out with like a little as far as like business expenses and deductions and all of that like it's it's pretty cool once you figure it out talk to that like how'd that conversation go I, I assume with other people I've had on who were we'll say like quitting their jobs to do it i assume it would be a little bit more stressful but as you were already staying at home anyways oh, he, was it all it was almost like a, a bonus at that point yeah yeah I, I think bonus is a great word um we're in a really unique situation uh we don't like we don't have a mortgage um so we don't have to really worry about that and 
um, he was very supportive. He thought it was awesome. He knew eventually like I would want to do something just to kind of get get back into the business world. But we also knew like Ronnie's the priority and we, we were like, we don't want to give up an opportunity because, you know, Eric works from home too. Like we don't want to give up an opportunity to spend as much time as possible with Ronnie because like work is not more important than our children. So like work is a means to an end as far as paying bills and you know like you have to have money to do things like you can't not have money um but like Ronnie is our priority and he was very supportive of it um I think he thinks it's cool that I'm doing this he's always like I'm so proud of you like I can't believe you're doing this this is awesome um there's never any like questions about whether we should or shouldn't it was just how does this fit into our schedule in our life and like that's the goal of a business is like how does it fit into your life versus how do you fit your life into the business um he's very he's very excited about all this <laughs> so how was your how was the planning for how are you how are you going to get clients how are you going to market how are you going to right you, your social media posts are super organized and you've got a specific like style to it and um like it seems way more coherent like when i first when the account instagram account first started i was like oh this looks way more organized than lots of things that i've seen and you have not like you've three posts so was there a lot of pre-planning that goes into that or like how do you have a or is it kind of you just brainstorming and coming up with it and you have i mean from working together before i know that your attention to detail and other things like that are already good so is it how how is that conversations i guess in your own head how is how does it how does it go how's the planning go i have a lot of conversations in my head um so for clients i word of mouth i think will always be like the best way to do things um i had my first client was through word of mouth um actually my second client was through word of mouth too and my other clients are through a mixture of social media and virtual assistant websites um what the type of work that i do i like long-term clients um i like forming long-term professional relationships and doing as much as i can for the clients that i have so i think it's a blend and anyone who says like you can get all your clients from social media like that's false that is not true um i have found a lot of success off of social media and so for me where the social media comes in is educational content sharing what i do and i'm actually working on developing like a product suite right now so a lot of what i do is bookkeeping a lot of the people i've spoken to have an interest in bookkeeping but it's not necessarily from like i need one-to-one like monthly bookkeeping assistance they need help with budgeting or they need help with like debt pay down strategy so it's almost like more financial management um the social media stuff like i'll be honest i kind of just do it each day uh, <laughs> i do polls a lot and i love like interacting with people on my instagram for example and i'll be like what do you guys want to hear about this week and i'll do a poll and i kind of just talk about whatever people to tell me they want to hear about um because i don't want to post things or share content that people don't care about you know i mean there's there's always going to be people who like don't care about what you're posting or like don't relate to it. like you can't make every single person happy um 
but I just kind of go off of the polls and um I probably make it like harder on myself than I need to because I do a lot of self-post so for people who aren't familiar with the carousel is the one we like swipe through mm-hmm. and there's a couple slides static posts are the ones where there's just one slide and then obviously people know what reels are I probably do way too many carousel posts but I enjoy them I think the people that I interact with like educational content um bookkeeping is one of those things that people are very like squirmish about so and I like I can relate to this because I used to be squirmish about it I'd be like oh I don't think I want to log on to my you know like app today to see like my bank account um because there's always like some dumb thing that like Apple charges you for something you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so I think people just think they can wing it and like hope for the best and that's a terrible strategy um and like I've done that too so like I know it's a terrible strategy but I try to provide like empowering and informative content that people can relate to and they can use and it's like I don't think gatekeeping is a good idea and I see a lot of it in the online world where they're like I'll give you advice and I'll give you tips but you need to pay me and like I get it from a business standpoint like you want people like you want people to pay you for your expertise and what you know and then I also think there's some things like if you can google it like I don't think you need to pay someone for it um so I share information that's like I call it like snack size information it's like easily digestible you can save it you can look at it really quick um and you can implement it like right away and I like that's just kind of the direction I've taken my social media and the people on my social media that display interest they want digital products so like they want things they can download they want things that they can use day to day my long-term clients who want like one-to-one bookkeeping or one-to-one uh like general admin services I found them through uh, like LinkedIn or different websites of word of mouth like there's just there's like different clients for different platforms does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah no totally totally makes sense we talked um previously about some of the clients that you have and one of the questions that that I had and I think this would be helpful for those listening who are kind of in in the your situation or a small business situation and then interacting with people who've got yeah larger businesses is like how did you end up with that and how did you let's say maybe gain the trust is not maybe maybe that's the right phrase I don't know but Mm -hmm. oftentimes you go into rooms with people who have got these large businesses and they're in a rush like you can sense it because their time is so valuable based on 30 minutes here equals some deal over there and and things of that nature and so for you being unproven we'll say Mm -hmm. or younger breaking into that Mm -hmm. space how did you manage that how did how were you able to demonstrate to them that it's like nope I got you don't worry you're not Mm -hmm. paying me for nothing um how did that go for you? How was it for you going into that situation first time, nerve wracking? It's just, how is the situation in that way for you? Yeah, I mean, of course it's nerve wracking um, because they don't know you. Uh, they don't know, they don't really know what you're about. And so you basically, I mean, you have to kind of prove yourself and win their trust. I think the biggest thing that you can demonstrate when you're interviewing with potential clients is to show that you're trustworthy and that you do have somewhat of a background in what you're doing. Um, So for me, like I parlayed some experience from some of our old work together. And I've also done a couple different things since moving here that a 
allow me to like position myself as someone who a I've done the work and b like I know how to do this in an agile environment um one thing that's really important to every single client that I've spoken to is network security so I'm not talking like router security but um, I use a platform called LastPass, so that allows for secure transfer of passwords, credit card information, uh, website login information, and it's very secure. By the way, it's only like $4 a month, so if you're ever interested, it's pretty cool. Um, but you want to display that you have secure platforms that you use, you have secure client management platforms. I also use another one where clients can log into their own portal, and they can see like task progress because you update as you go along with the progress. And a lot of times clients want to know that you have their best interests in mind and that you are going to be reliable. So you also have to demonstrate reliable communication. Um, sometimes clients just wanna to talk to you and get to know you too. Uh, if they don't like you, they're not gonna hire you. So taking the time to talk with them and taking the time to chat about their lives and share a little bit about yourself. like. I have found much more success in the online world with being personable with people. Um, obviously, you don't want to get like too personal, but people want to know that they're not talking to like a robot. Um, so clear communication, consistent communication, secure platforms. Um, a lot of clients do like to do a trial period. So I've had that actually with two of my clients where they did like a two or three week trial period with you to see if you gel. That's pretty common in the online world. Um, and that's kind of how they get to know you a little bit better and see like what you're about. Um, and that's kind of the key. I think people sometimes get offended when they hear a client say, or like a prospective client say, I want to do a trial period with you. I think a trial period is completely fair. Um, they want to make sure you're a good fit and they want to make sure that you're doing the work you say you're going to do. So those are the kind of the things that I've done to demonstrate it and, I honestly think the most important thing is good communication. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like I was talking to, yeah, I was talking to this one guy, um, Carl, he run, he, he's started a like freelancing platform to kind of compete with the Fivers and, and the other mm -hmm. platforms of that world. And I asked him a similar question because right now they're making no, no revenue. And so all mm -hmm. the money comes from grants and that's like kind of how the tech world comes comes from investors and stuff and so i'm like hey man how is it like to go into a room to a person who has a lot of money and say hey by the way yeah. we're making zero money can i have some of yours and it's <laughs> it's a it's such a weird thing and then he said well you have to remember at the end at the end of the, at the end of the day that they're all human i was like and i was thinking about that because i was like that's true however these are different kind of like breeds of people right they're they're managing right. a gazillion things it, like the organization and and they understand how valuable that their time is like they don't have time just to talk to you for 30 minutes right. because if they don't it could cost them a hundred thousand dollars on some other thing and they're yeah. most of them are acutely aware of that and so yes they're human and the way to get like connect with them like you said is open communication and being personable mm -hmm. and stuff but at the same time being aware of them and what they're what their situation is, I think is important, right? You don't want to go into yeah. some prospective meeting and kind of just talk nonsense for 20 minutes. Like they don't have time for that. And so there's the balance of being personable while also mm -hmm. staying like on task 
or on whatever the topic of the conversation is, I think is a very, it's a learned skill that takes like, I feel like oftentimes people learn the hard way one way or the other because at the same time they also don't want to deal with people who are not who are just going to be robots like you said so it's a weird it's a weird kind of balance that you have to strike there have you found that also yeah I have um typically when there's a lull in the conversation that's when you know it's time to like move on um a lot of folks that are super busy don't have time to get on zoom all the time either um so they'll do a lot of like emails and stuff but there is a balance um and a lot of times people just will start pivoting to business stuff when they need to and it doesn't mean every conversation you're talking about like your life and what's going on like the world no of course um but you can kind of just tell there's like social cues and body language and just where the conversation is going when it's time to like okay we got to get down to business we got to talk um i have one client who we communicate like exclusively over email just because the client's busy and the only time we really get on zoom we really actually don't get on zoom but the client will record little loom videos for me and kind of show me like hey i need you to do this in this platform he's busy um he's got like 10 irons in the fire at all times so he doesn't have a ton of time to talk um you just kind of have to read the read the room yeah and be prepared yeah. coming into the conversation yeah. as well it's like Absolutely. i know that he wants to t- he or she wants to talk about xyz let me have my stuff together on these three topics so once we go yeah. it's not yeah yeah like my thoughts yeah. are together and, and this and that's so like um yeah. i've been in situations where somebody is finally has the time of somebody who's like higher up in an organization or whatever and i'm like do you have a plan for your for this meeting and like well <laughs> we're just going to talk about yeah. these three things and i was like okay you understand that this guy's time like everybody wants right. this guy's time like if you want to get what you need out of it you have to be prepared for that mm. um doesn't always work but that's okay mm. <laughs> um I, I do not recommend winging meeting no no i don't recommend winging it i think meetings should be really brief if you can yes the less time like the more prepared you are the less time it takes no no meetings on fridays (laughs) that should just be like a rule in the business world like unless it's super urgent like we don't need to meet on friday (laughs) yeah so i also we also talked previously that i think when you first started you imagined that you'd be doing way more admin stuff and then as you've started it's become more bookkeeping Mm -hmm. um how did that transition happen for you because oftentimes people start off with a vision or goal in mind and then if reality doesn't match that then there can be a level of uh stress or anxiety about oh am i doing the right thing or should i have done something else from the beginning or any of those thoughts that people have. So how did that, how, well, how did you figure that out that it was more bookkeeping because you could have said, Oh, I'm not doing like my business is admin stuff, not bookkeeping. Like you could have done that, but you didn't. So no, I didn't. Um, I offered both services initially. I advertised more via social media for admin work. Um, I just enjoy bookkeeping more. I just do. Um, I enjoy it more. I'm better at it uh, than I, than, I should rephrase that. Um, 
from a business standpoint, more people need bookkeeping. Uh, from an admin standpoint, it is a little bit easier. Um, it takes less time. But I'm just like my skill sets align a little bit more with bookkeeping. And I'm able to speak to it more. Um, everyone needs bookkeeping in some form or another. And like bookkeeping isn't just like you go into someone's accounts and like, oh, you need to do this better. It's it's a lot more nuanced than that. And it's really tailored to each client, what they need, what their goals are. But like the bottom line is I just enjoy it more. Um, I think the beauty of working from home and running your own business is you kind of get to call the shots a little bit. I enjoy bookkeeping. I enjoy the tangible results it provides. Um, I did advertise a little bit for social media work at first. And I found out like I just didn't really enjoy it. Um, I like things that I can see when they're like, I like trends, patterns, watching things move in a certain direction, helping people meet like tangible, defined goals. The thing that drove me nuts about social media and there are some like wonderful social media people out there. I follow a lot of them on my Instagram. Shout out to all of you. You guys are amazing. But I'm just not good at it and I don't have the patience for it. Um, and I just feel like the, the goalposts are always moving with social media. There's always like a different type of post you need. The algorithm is always changing. Um, the times that you post can like determine whether or not something's a hit. And I'm like, I don't have patience for this. Um, <laughs> like replicating someone's brain voice is really hard uh, because you, when you're doing like social media work, for example, you have to replicate their brain voice and promote their business. And I, I just, just like, I'm not skilled at this. Um, it's a lot more nuanced than people think. Bookkeeping. Oh, it's nuts. It's sense. nuts. It's so crazy. Yeah. Like all yeah. the thought, like, so I have to do different for the soccer ones and the podcast ones and those are different. And then you post it on the different platforms and you tweak it slightly for YouTube shorts yeah. versus reels versus um, we got a friend of mine running the TikTok because I refuse to get an account because I will yeah. spend all of my time on it. And I know that about yeah. myself. So I'm like, I'm just not going to do it. I'm the same way with yeah. snacks too. I just never buy them because I know I'll eat them all. And it's not, it's we're not trying good. so hard to get like the snacking down. And then we're like, Hey, can you get off the couch? Sorry, hold on. Get down. <laughs> get off. Just give me one second. You're you don't good. have to edit this out. Moms, moms will understand this. Get off the couch. Get down. <laughs> Don't jump. Please don't jump. All right. You're going to, we have a guest on the show. Um, he was trying to jump off the couch. It's really hard to, it's really hard to replicate someone's brand voice. And like, I just, I, I just like do not have the patience for it. I'm like, I, in like the nuances on social media, like the logistics and trying to understand like how, how you make it work for people it's so hard um mm -hmm. and i think you can stop. you can make so much money <laughs> as a social media manager because people understand like how hard it is but it's like kind of important for your business too like you have to have social media i like numbers and i like seeing things that i can like i like seeing tangible results yeah so to me like in my mind bookkeeping makes more sense and if i enjoy it more and i'm better at it i'm going to do a better job for the client yeah i think sometimes so people will advertise things that they're not necessarily like 
good at or that they don't enjoy and like I made that mistake with social media and I'm like I don't enjoy this like I'm not good at it and I don't enjoy it like I can't advertise this no yeah 100% social media is not very tangible it's like there's no rhyme or rhythm for why something works or doesn't work and I'm the same way it's like that is annoying to me and so I have stopped trying to figure out exactly what works and what doesn't because I like having these conversations. And so that's kind of, to me, what matters, right? This is not my my business from that perspective. And then from a soccer perspective, I don't get clients through social media really because it's yeah. not it's not a virtual business. Like I can't train somebody that's in California because what field are we going to go to? Like I'm not, so, <laughs> right. so it doesn't really matter from that perspective. But yeah, I, t- I just, yeah. Like you look at somebody like, Mr. Beast. Do you know what you know you know who Mr. Beast is? He's a YouTuber. He's got like hundreds of millions of subscribers because when he was in his early teens, he just studied yeah. social media all day every day for like 10 years and which ones work and which thumbnails get more traction and which this and which that and it's like a whole it's like a whole thing his parents were worried that He's like, why are you obsessed with this YouTube thing? It's never going to be living right. for you. And now he like spends $4 million on a video and he makes like, I mean, it's nuts. Like, oh, He's done some interviews that it's like, he'll look at somebody's analytics page and he's like, oh, you should do this, 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 and this yeah. on the thing. And it wasn't like the guy's page he was looking at was a slouch either guy had a couple million subscribers mm-hmm. on YouTube as well. And he was like, you're bad at these things. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, oh, gosh. It's, it's wild. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, in in the pot, the guy that was hosting it was a comedian, so it was it was funny. But like, yeah, no, the social media stuff, and then also if you don't know what, who you like, who you're working with, like what their brand voice, like if they haven't fully defined their own brand voice, right? Then you can't really, really replicate tricky. it either. Yeah, marketing is very difficult. Yeah. Marketing is yeah. very difficult. It is, and if someone is good at it, like they're gonna have a good career because everything is online now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like everything's online, everything just, it's just the way of the world now. Um, I also think it's really important when you own your own business and in the work world, like like the nine to five world, you have to know what you're good at and what you're not good at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there are some things when you're in a, like a corporate job where you just have to do it and you just have to like get it done. I think for me realizing really quickly what I enjoyed and what I like didn't enjoy was key because when you don't enjoy something it shows or like when you're not good at something it shows and I'm like I'm not going to waste anyone's time and be like I really enjoy doing this it's like no I don't like this I'm not good at it you need someone else like I'm Mm -hmm. not the one but with bookkeeping I'm like yeah okay I'm I enjoy this um I have a background in it and this is something where I really think I can help people on like a like a tangible level and I I need tangible results and I enjoy working with people who would want tangible results yeah, 100%. One last point on the marketing thing, and then we can go yeah. into the bookkeeping a bit more is the thing with marketing, though, is even even if you're not good at it, at some point, you have to learn how to do yeah. it because you have to market yourself, even if you're still in a corporate job, like you go into an interview, right. like you're like, you're marketing yourself, like, why should you hire me? Well, it's because I'm the best at whatever yeah. thing. Yeah. And if you don't know how to do that, then that is not like you're leaving money on the table from, for salary or like negotiating for yeah. a raise or like any of these other things. Like if you're not good at, if you, you need to learn a little bit because otherwise you're, yeah. you're not, you're leaving stuff on the table and that's not, um, I mean, obviously it's not ideal, but 
Yeah, it's tough for sure. Um, okay, so when you say bookkeeping, I know what you mean generally, but for those listening that have no idea what it actually is, where they think it's like an like accounting or just adding and subtracting to make the balance sheet or like what 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 is it? It's a little bit of everything. So from a business perspective, the best way I can describe it is think about your business finances. So the money you spend and the money you bring in. So bookkeeping is helping someone manage the money that they spend and the money that they bring in. So a typical day in bookkeeping for me, for example, I have a client um, and I use like how I do bookkeeping is I use QuickBooks accountant and I have all my clients in the accountant view. It's everything from balancing their accounts, reconciling their accounts. Um, I categorize transactions. We do monthly reporting, we do budgeting, debt pay down. Um, I can help prepare taxes, but I'm not an accountant, so I can't do the filing. There's a lot of legal stuff that accountants do that like I can't do. That's nice, buddy. Thank you. Um, it's helping someone manage their business finances. And it's really nuanced for each client. It's what they want to do. I have clients who just want to see monthly profit and loss reports. I have clients who need help cleaning up their books in general and seeing where all their money is going. Um, I, I do offer like mini bookkeeping audits for people who don't want like long-term bookkeeping services, but they want someone to go in and look at everything that they're doing and tell them where you can improve, like how you can make a profit. Um, what do we think your goals are going to be? What do we think your profit's going to look like for the rest of the year? It's a little bit of everything, um, but it's also highly personable to each client so it really depends on their goals and what they're looking to do um a lot of it is organization of finances and kind of telling people like where's your money going what you're spending your money on um it's really important because you can be spending a lot more money than you realize right so it's like the online world is wonderful but you can also spend a lot of money and not realize it. So like, for example, when I started my business, I signed up for a bunch of different things. I'm like, I need this app. I need this subscription. Well, it came out to be like hundreds of dollars worth of subscriptions. You know what I mean? And then you like forget that you signed up for it. Um, so a bookkeeper is also there to kind of keep you on track. Like, hey, did you remember that you signed up for this like little app and Apple's charging you like $10 a month for it? And they're like, oh, no, I didn't. Um, it's helping people keep on track with their money so they can focus on their business. If you don't have a strong financial plan, if you don't have a strong financial like base, it like your business doesn't matter. You're going to go underwater um, because eventually you'll just be paying to like pay your expenses or your bills. Like if you're not making a profit, like what are you doing? Um, so I help people get from feeling underwater, feeling confused, feeling just very disorganized to feeling like empowered. They know where their money's going. Like you want to make your money work for you, not the other way around. Like you don't want to be working to keep up with your expenses. And like, that's the goal at least. Yeah. That's my long-winded yeah. explanation. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Yeah. I'm, I wonder how much of that's like, cause there's some level to, in a simplistic form, there's some level of that to like just personal finance as well. Right. And 
So how, because I know with personal finance, there's all these certificates or things that people take, like they're, I forgot what it was, like personal, certified personal finance, financial CFP, advisor. Or, like yeah, yeah. 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 Or the like accountants and stuff. So yeah. how is that something that's on the cards for you to go after any of those things? Or right now yeah. you're just kind of like. It is actually. Yeah, yeah, I'm so I'm into it. I'm currently like into it bookkeeping certified. Um, so I did that as a way to just kind of show that like I have a little bit of a like an educational background with it. Um, mm-hmm. obviously like my undergraduate degree was economics. Um, I have looked at CFP programs, and I it's something I am going to pursue. Uh, at this current moment, like I don't have the bandwidth for it, but. Eventually, I want to get into that because you do need like a higher level education to to move into like more complicated work. I've looked at the CPA route. I don't think that's the route for me because um, it's more like tax based. Um, but a CFP, for example, is a little bit closer to what I do. Um, I think it's a worthwhile endeavor. And it's so crazy because when I started this whole thing, that was not the route I thought I was going to take. Um, but it's definitely evolved into that and I'm definitely looking to move to the next level educationally with it. Yeah. That makes, um, I also feel like, I mean, there's lo- there's loads of money there. People always need people to help them manage their money because it's yeah. hard to learn. Like it's hard to learn yeah. where things should go and to yeah. like the amount of time that it takes. Like if you are investing in whatever, the amount of time that yeah. it takes to kind of research, okay, well, this trend looks like it's going here and the economy mm-hmm. looks like it's going there. And then also take taking note of like political events that are happening that might mess with the value of a certain thing or, yeah. okay, this, like, for example, when COVID happened, if you invested in zoom, you are doing quite well for yourself, but like, it's like to right. like to connect those dots, like hindsight 2020, that's a very easy one to connect. But in that moment, yeah. you're not thinking like most people are not thinking like that. Um, so speaking of economics and economy, where are where are we at as I guess country world? It seems a lot of people are concerned with um, digital currencies and Bitcoin and all this other stuff that's going on, and the dollar is losing some of its purchasing power, um, and it feels like we're kind of in. I don't want to say an endless spiral, but like, what's from your perspective? What what is the situation? If you had to give like a I think blank about economy, world economy, I guess. Oh, I think, I think we're all, I think the economy, like the investors are nervous. Um, I actually was reading this, so funny you say that, I was reading this article yesterday by uh, the JP Morgan Chase CEO and Diamond, right? Jamie Diamond? Yeah. 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 Um, he was like, we, like, we're really concerned about where things are going with the value of like the US dollar, but obviously like you know chase goes beyond the u.s but with everything going on like especially in the middle east and just there's a lot of turmoil over there investors are nervous and i think they have a right to be nervous i mean everything from food to like textiles imports exports all of it's going to be different um oil is obviously a challenge right now and if i were an investor like a heavy heavy investor i would be really nervous about investing right now um i think i think long term like the economy 
you know, it goes up and down. So I think like every seven years, there's like a little bit of a dip, um, a potential recession, like recessions are always, big recessions, little recessions are always gonna happen. Um, I don't think we're headed towards a major like depression. I think right now people are hesitant to invest. There's a general lack of distrust with big banks. Um, there's a lack of distrust in the type of investments people are making right now. Um, and I think, I mean, for example, like the average mortgage rate is like 7.8% right now. Like it's crazy. People aren't really buying. So when you're not buying stuff, I mean, the economy is going to suffer, right? Like our grocery bill is crazy right now and mm. we're not buying anything differently. Like we're not going and purchasing like tons of stuff. It's probably doubled in the past like two, three years. Yeah, so I would like, agree with that. People aren't spending on any like things other than the necessities right now because they can't. Um, so when you can't do that, like the economy, like we're a little stagnant right now um, economically. And it's like, how do you, how do you move past that? It's like the world, the world's a mess right now. Um, investments are also tricky because a lot of companies, like a lot of bigger investment corp, like firms, Vanguard, for example, they are required to select certain types of investments based on like what's going on in the world right now. So like when you look at your portfolio, like I was looking at my investments the other day and I had to rearrange a couple of things, stocks and bonds wise, because I'm like, I don't want to invest in that. I want my money to go over here. Um, I think I think the long and short of it is everyone's nervous. Like the economy is going to be okay eventually. But right now people are nervous. Things are expensive. People are hesitant and, and they have a right to be. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you this then, because obviously <laughs> we've seen, like if you look at the long-term graph of like the stock market, right? It's always going up. And then when you zoom in, there's like little dips here and there. Um, but I think that one thing that is concerning maybe to me is when I is like a potential like price correction of things yeah. of assets and values, right? It's like, are things artificially inflated? Um, and, and one example I use for that is like, the most of the economy is built on debt, like IOUs. Mm -hmm. And at some point where, who has the original like yeah. IOU. And then if that person does it, like, where does it like, does the whole, does the whole thing just collapse on itself? Um, and that for me is a little bit concerning because just like conceptually, it doesn't make any sense. Like yeah. how it is still managing to work obviously there's lots right. of mechanisms and different things that all the super smart finance people in wall street have to, to keep things afloat but just from a just from a concept wise it's like okay so if somebody wants to buy a house they take a loan and then the bank maybe doesn't have that money they only have 10 percent of that money because fractional reserve banking and they get the loan from somebody else and so like who actually has the money that you're paying like is it just a number on a screen like who actually has the money that is being given to you to buy a house and, the, and then it seems like the answer is no one really knows and i was like well that's not good yeah. i worked i'm gonna make some people mad here and that's okay i worked with a uh with someone in the mortgage industry for a little bit and the way that 
the mortgage industry, there's going to be some people who are mad. This is not a shot at realtors. I think realtors are wonderful. This is a shot at the mortgage industry because it like ties into what you just said. When you go to get a mortgage, you've got like eight different people in the mortgage industry touching your mortgage. So you might have a mortgage that like the value of the house is $200,000, for example. You're going to have a loan officer who comes in to like help you understand your mortgage information. They're going to get 1% of that loan, right? And then you're going to have their people in the company who do the underwriting, do all of that. They're going to get a percentage too. Um, there's a ton of like hidden fees and little things that you don't know about as a consumer. And then you just want to get a house, right? You want to get a house. You, you want to get it like the lowest rate you can. So you go through all of that. But what happens is after you get a mortgage, a lot of times the mortgage company who sold you the mortgage is going to sell it to someone else, right? So a lot of times what would happen with clients that with this person that I worked with, they will call in and they would say, hey, like I got a notice from XYZ company, like I now owe my mortgage to them, what happened? Well, a lot of times they will come in and buy the mortgage and then who they buy it, like, so the company I work for would sell the mortgages so they could get like another profit from it. It's, it's like criminal. No one knows where the mortgages are now. You don't know who you're paying to. And I think the way that this ties into the economy is like, you see that in a lot of different things. Like you invest in something and then like they sell to someone else. So it's like, well, who am I like investing in? Like, where is this all going? And I think a lot of people feel that way. They're like, who, who owes? Like, who, who do I pay this to? From like a high, like a, like a macroeconomic perspective, I don't even think like the country knows who we owe our debts to sometimes. You know what I mean? Because it's like the country owes so much money. I have no clue where it's at. I mean, well, I, I think that's you what can I'm ask getting at. It's like, yeah, yeah, like that's what I'm getting. Who, at what point is it? that? At what point is that yeah. not sustainable anymore? And the whole thing just implodes. I know. I, know. I, I don't know. Um, we owe a lot of money to other countries. I don't know the exact number, um, but we also. Like, I think we owe more than people owe us, right? So eventually it's going to get to the point where we're like, the value of the dollar is going to go down and we're just like, we can't take on anymore. Um, we already owe so much. And I think, I think where this gets messy is like the government keeps investing in programs to help people and we just keep owing more and more. Um it implodes and people can't pay their bills anymore because everything's so expensive. Yeah. Well, are we, are we, are we getting there? (laughs) That's the thing, right? We talk about groceries doubling in price. Like at what point are we, I I don't, I I think it would be different than 2008 because it's not necessarily like the adjustable rate mortgages aren't really, I mean, there's, they still exist obviously, but it's not Mm -hmm. as prevalent so I don't, people are saying, oh, it won't be the same as 2008. I was like, okay, well, maybe it's not the exact same as 2008, but in all practicality, like what, like what, I don't know. I, I look at uh, other people our age and I'm like, okay, well, you're not in a position to buy a house because like I got lucky with my circumstances. We were able to buy a house mm-hmm. um, and I don't really know. I, I don't know. It just seems very unstable. And then I look at something like Bitcoin mm-hmm. or something like that. I'm like, well, that seems like it might not be 
the worst idea in the world to have some assets over there. Um, but then at the same time, you've got these other crypto people that are making um, like Dogecoin and these other ones that don't really exist and they'll pop off for they'll go from like 0.0001% of a cent to like one cent. People will make millions on it and then it'll just go to zero. Um, yeah. And that's obviously it's not regulated. And so that's another scary part of it being not regulated, but it just seems like it seems strange. It seems like from a macro level, it seems like we're in a weird spot because uh, you hear other other countries talking about, oh, we're going to have digital currency and this and that. And it's like, yeah, yeah I don't really like that idea. Seems yeah. weird. seems like we're in a weird spot from a macro level. We are. And I don't agree with people who say this is not going to be like 2008 because in 2008, the mortgage industry got away with so much. They were selling mortgages to people who couldn't afford them. Um, and right now, I don't know if people are aware of this, but the average conventional mortgage, um, like, so there's basically like a limit of what lenders can supply to mortgage consumers. The average loan limit right now is like 600, I think it's like 670,000. That's insane, right? Like, who has a house that, like, who needs that much of a mortgage? The average price of a house right now is, like, $450,000. Like, a regular house. I'm not talking, like, a big fancy, like, McMansion. Like, a regular house is so expensive right now. So, it, I think it's actually going to be a lot like 2008. Um, the difference is, well, I can't say this anymore. We're not in the middle of a war. I mean, the U.S. is not in the middle of a war right now, but I mean, financially, we are, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, financially, we are. The difference is, like, we're at a war with, like, like our grocery bill. Um, everything is so expensive. I think it's going to be a lot like 2008, actually. People aren't going to be able to pay their mortgages forever. How can you pay a big mortgage like that when your grocery bill is 1200 a month for, like, a family of four or 1400 a month? I mean, our grocery bill is crazy. I mean... It's so expensive. And like, I know we're not the only family who feels that way. Um, I don't, honestly, I don't keep up with Bitcoin. Uh, I can't say, cause I just, I don't think it's a great investment. Um, but I don't think digital currency necessarily, like there's a lot wrong with it just from what I'm reading about. So I agree with you, like other countries saying like, oh, we're gonna have this. Like, I don't know if that's a good idea. Um, I don't know. Everything is just so crazily expensive. It's like you need a two-income household now. Um, I mean, I think the days of a one-income household, unless you're working in a very specialized field, are not there for most folks. No, it's toast. It's it's not. It's, it's not like, at least here, anyways. I, yeah. It's, yeah. I don't even. I mean, I don't even know. Oh, I think in Northern Virginia, it's like forget about it. Yeah. 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 So the other thing with um, with O eight is like nobody's getting like if you've locked in like i have friends that locked in rates at like two percent mm -hmm. and they're chilling at this point like they're good yeah. like they're not going to yeah. not be able to afford their mortgages um right. anytime soon because it's not like the interest rates going up it's like people just can't buy anything uh right. and that is concerning because you're going to have like a generational gap of equity in yeah. yeah and so i don't yeah. know it doesn't set up well if you have a whole generation that can't actually own anything 
and then create equity because then right. they have nothing to pass on. Um, right. And that is also concerning. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, these are just things I think about and I don't really know anyone who knows. I don't know a lot of people that know economics and in, in well yeah i mean nobody knows the answer really like some <laughs> if somebody knew the answer they'd be a billionaire at this point but i mean it's just strange it's just strange and it feels economics from as a whole can be very simple and then also extremely be. complex at the same time and it feels like yeah. maybe maybe you can agree or disagree but it feels like when you're playing a video game and you start yeah. or like you're playing a game and you start to make up rules because like no one yeah. can tell you no. no and it feels like that. It feels like that's what Wall Street's done. It's like you're playing a board game with your little siblings and yeah. you're like, actually, this is in the rule book. And then you like write it at the bottom and you just make it up as you go. And it feels like yeah. people are doing it. It feels like that's what like what Wall Street is doing and some of these other like big players. And I'm it like, I don't feel like that. I don't really like There's that. Like no i don't either there's like there i don't really feel like there's a middle class anymore it's like either you are up here making in the hundreds of thousands or you are making you know below a hundred thousand and like there's this gap and it's so hard to get on there is going to be like an equity an equity gap because so the people who like the people you were talking about for example they got you know two three percent on their house that's great they're going to be able to afford their mortgage they're going to be able to allocate the rest of their money ideally towards investments and things for their future things that they can put away for their kids and like their grandkids um they're going to be okay as long as they don't do anything stupid or like nothing catastrophic happens right the other people who are spending all of their money on a mortgage because of the mortgage rates or like they're not able to take that extra money and invest um, outside of maybe like what they get through their job as far as like 401k contributions. There's going to be a huge divide. and I don't know how to reconcile that because some people just got in at a really good time and some people didn't. And unfortunately, like some people are just going to get screwed that way. And I don't know how to reconcile that. Um, I think our age group is a really unique age group right now because like right now we're both like you're 28 27 yeah i'm tw 27 i'm 29 um so either like our age group we're either homeowners or we're still renting a lot of people also don't understand compound interest right so when you start investing at your first job for example you have that compound interest that's going to build for years until you retire if you start investing when you're 35, you're going to lose on hundreds of thousands of dollars because you didn't invest earlier. Mm -hmm. That's where people are going to get screwed is their retirement. Uh, if they have retirement. I've also read something that, I, I mean, I don't remember the exact source, but they were saying the average retirement someone has at our age is less than, uh, I think it was like less than $20,000. Um, That's not it's surprising. Good, it's not surprising. It's hard to play catch up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was, yeah, even at like our first job was like maxing that stuff out because I was yeah. like, I ha like, yeah. I'm living in a tiny house with three other guys right out of college. Like, I don't need mm -hmm. money. It's like, I'll put it somewhere yeah. because for me at, um, like you talk about tangible results, if I can go look at a screen and the screen is just ticking up 
not because I'm doing anything, but because the stock market is increasing in value. I was like, that's pretty cool because it's not doing that in my other account. <laughs> so I'll, I'll put it here instead. <laughs> you no, know, I remember I did like eight. I think I went up to 10% at one point. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, you have like living expenses that you have to account for, but I went up, I think I went up to 10% mm -hmm. at the first job. We worked at the same place. Um, and it's so worth it. And it's not that much more money to go up to 10%, right? No, it's not. But you lose so much if you don't invest when you're younger. Um, you just do it, but it's hard to see right now because you're not at a retirement age. To mm -hmm. where you're looking like, okay, what do I have for retirement? Um, what's going on? Uh, my Eric, my husband is super good with that stuff. And he's like locked in with retirement stuff. And some, like some people just don't, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's not a priority for people because I truly think families are doing the best they can. It's hard to plan um, out that far. It's That's so the hard thing. to plan that far. Everyone's running the rat race right now. Um, but it's like, if I could give one piece of advice to like anyone our age, I would say like invest as early as you can, um, because it pays off in the long run, but it's hard right now. It's hard. I mean, if like, if I'm a, you know, if, if I'm like a sole provider, for example, and I have to choose between like feeding my kids or investing, like I'm going to feed my kids, you know what I mean? Yeah, It's yeah, so yeah. hard. People are doing the best they can. And I just think it's, it's an unfair spot for people to be in right now. Yeah. 100%. All right, let's yeah. get off to doom and gloom. Um, okay. <laughs> we've been chatting for for like an hour and a half or some change. So yeah. let's, what what is next for you for the business? Are you going to look to expand? Are you going to look to hire some people? Are you going to stay as a one-man band? What What's the plan for you next three to five years? Or do you have one? Are you just going um, as things take you? No, that's a great question. And the next three to five years, I will segue this into full-time. Right now I'm doing part-time. Um, when Ronnie goes off to school, I will segue this into a full-time situation. Um, I'm currently getting my QuickBooks Pro Advisor certification. So from a, like a QuickBooks standpoint, that puts me in a very unique portal of like bookkeeping advising for that platform. As far as the business itself, I enjoy working by myself. I eventually imagine I will have to hire someone on to help with certain tasks as I go full-time. Right now, I want to keep it part-time. Um, I would love to merge into or segue into full-time bookkeeping uh, and move off of the admin work eventually. And eventually, I will probably get a master's in finance. So that will kind of segue into like a CFP certification. I really enjoy working for myself, but like I don't see myself going corporate. Um, I enjoy working from home i enjoy being able to like prioritize family um we have big travel plans so my goal is to be able to take this work on the road eventually and kind of literally like do it from wherever but i don't ever see myself going into a corporate situation knock on wood nice where yeah. can the where can the people excited. find uh where can the people find if they want to get in touch or look at the website or wherever where can the people find that yeah so uh it's the virtual desk llc work um, my instagram is the virtual desk llc uh, it's all the virtual desk llc um, if you want to get in contact with me my information is all on the website but 
the best way to get in touch with me is through Instagram. That's where I spend the most time at. Uh, I'm in the DMs a lot talking to people. I love I love talking to people. Like not everything is a sale. Not everything is like me trying to get someone to, you know, invest in my services. I genuinely love talking to people. I have people who just ask me a quick question, like, hey, what do you think? And I'm like, here's what I think. Here's here's, you know, like my advice, my recommendation for this specific situation. Um so Instagram is usually the best way to get in contact with me. Um, I do respond pretty quickly. Uh, I don't know. I just love talking to people. So I encourage people if they ever have a question or they just want to reach out. Like, I'm just not one of those people who's like, you're going to have to pay me a lot of money to get me to answer like a simple question for you. Um, I love talking to people and I encourage people to reach out and communicate. And I love like developing a, like a collaborative situation. So I do a lot of stuff on Instagram, for example, that I encourage just like community participation. Um, my goal with this business long-term is to empower people with their money and to like help people make their money work for them and to not be afraid of money. I think a lot of people are afraid of money. Um, and I, I don't think that has to be the case. Like money's just a tool. And that's what I want to convey to people. But you can find me on Instagram, the Virtual Desk LLC. Uh, that is the best way to reach me um yeah sweet any last nickels any what last nickels what is that like last last... uh save (laughs) save rounds (laughs) i was like what is that um that's hilarious i love that um the best thing like the biggest thing i want to impart to anyone who's watching or listening is to invest early and to not be afraid of your money like your money is just a tool do not let your money run you. Um, definitely invest early and have a good budget. <laughs> nice. Heard it here first. It's very like financial N- advisory. <laughs> None of this is official financial yeah. advice, everyone yeah. listening. Like, <laughs> um, all right, guys. Thank you for listening. As always, we'll see you next time. Peace. Bye, guys.